0: With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select Campus events, while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Hi, let's talk about Pro Plan Sport. Pro Plan Sport is advanced nutrition made to fuel strength and stamina in active dogs like yours. So wherever your next journey together takes you, start it off right with the high-performance fuel your dog needs to keep pushing you every step of the way. Pro Plan Sport. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. The volume. This week on Prime Cuts, Chad Millman, Sharper, Square, John Middlecoff on the Niners, dominant win over Philly, and my top takes of the week. All right, hi, everybody. I think the the interesting story today is uh, Tyler Dunn, who is connected, covers the Packers and the Buffalo Bills. Has a story today. It's part of a three-part series on Sean McDermott and how he has worn out his welcome in Buffalo. And there's a lot of, um, you know, anonymous sourcing that I trust with Tyler Dunn on players saying he's rigid, he's a blamer. Um, you know, he uh, that's why the defensive coordinator has quit. Uh, he fashions himself uh, as a great leader, but doesn't inspire players. But the most damning part of the article to me. And something I talk about so often that I I do worry that it's just it's fatiguing to the audience is defensive coaches do not have relationships with quarterbacks. We've seen Mac Jones and Belichick regress terribly. Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson, really bad. Uh, Mike Zimmer and Kirk Cousins, reportedly huge fissures in that relationship. In the Tyler Dunn story, the part that would really concern me is the quote that Sean McDermott, all these years with Josh Allen, doesn't really have a great relationship. Hmm. That's why Josh Allen has regressed since Brian Daybol left. And we've talked about it on FS1. If you look at the coaches who have had to deal with backup quarterback situations this year, Shane Steichen, Colts, they're winning with Gardner Minshew. Zach Taylor, Jake Browning, just beat the Jaguars in Jacksonville. Um You know, I mean, Brock Purdy started his career with Shanahan as a backup. Uh, Kevin Stefanski with Joe Flacco last week, surprisingly capable. You look at defensive coaches who have to deal with backups. Belichick and Bailey Zappi, uh, Dennis Allen having to deal with Jameis Winston in New Orleans. So there is a thread here offensive coaches consistently have better relationships, not surprisingly, with their quarterback. But when your quarterback is Josh Allen, you got to get it right. And in that Tyler Dunn article, McDermott has no real tight relationship with a star quarterback. And listen, you just don't see very often, he's a blamer in the article, a defensive coordinator resign like Leslie Frazier, a respected guy. Uh, this year, they blamed Ken Dorsey. He gets fired. So Buffalo's a small market, a very small market by pro sports franchise market comps. And so I, I have my questions whether they'd fire him or not. But the reason I talk about this, it leads me to the second story, which is Jim Harbaugh is negotiating an $11.5 million a year deal with Michigan. I think the only great job available in the NFL is potentially the Buffalo Bills job. The Chargers would be a good job, but Brandon Staley hasn't been fired. And the Dean Spanos children, the boys, are upstairs in the front office, which has scared off other coaches. It's not ideal. You won't get much of a say in personnel, which Harbaugh wants. Buffalo is different. They have drafted pretty well, not great, but what they're missing is is somebody to build a consistently good run game and O-line. That is exactly what Jim Harbaugh has done with the Niners, with Stanford, and with Michigan. What the Bills lack as a coach, vision, quarterback elevation, physicality, and a consistent run game. That's exactly what Harbaugh does. So Jim Harbaugh to Buffalo is a perfect fit. The defense is good enough. The roster is good enough. There are things they do well. But how many years does this defensive coach get to use alibis to explain the inability to run the ball consistently? Also struggling to run the ball consistently, defensive coach Mike Tomlin in Pittsburgh. So it's a pattern. The tighter-done story is eye-opening. Check it out on Bill's coach, Sean McDermott. Does not paint a pretty picture. and in line with that, juxtaposed with the Jim Harbaugh news. If I was Jim Harbaugh, I would accept Michigan's offer. I don't think there's a great job out there. You get about one great job opening every three or four years. Cowboys, Mike McCarthy job. You get Dak, the O-line, a committed franchise, good money, great city. Good job. Matt LaFleur, Packers, Aaron Rodgers, late prime. Great job. Not many. You can say, oh, oh, well, look at Pete Carroll took the Seahawks. They didn't have quarterback right. Pete couldn't get the quarterback right for a couple of years. That looks like a good franchise, wasn't when he took it over. Oh, the Houston Texans were a mess. D'Amico Ryan is great, and C.J. Stroud has been shockingly good. It's not a good job. Most of these openings, you've got an owner issue, a roster issue, or a pressure and unrealistic expectation issue like Carolina. Bills, not only a great job opening because of Josh Allen, steady ownership. Good roster. Belichick's leaving soon. Aaron Rodgers' situation is still a mess. Tua, his they haven't given him an extension, so you don't really know if the organization's all in on Tua, who has been historically injury-prone. That's the only job. If I'm Arbaugh, I pause on the Michigan contract offer. Other than that, I'd sign it tomorrow. The uh, Packers went over Kansas City. It was their game from the very beginning. Um, And I I said this during the week on FS1, it didn't matter if Green Bay won in terms of the big picture. Uh, What Jordan Love had to do with Patrick Mahomes on the other sideline is to be able to match him. And, you know, we know Mahomes is the better quarterback. Can he make throws? Can he look confident? Can he move? And I thought Jordan Love uh, was everything and more. Um, You know, it's interesting for years I've said about Green Bay is I think they draft and develop as well as anybody in the NFL. Just look at their wide receiving talent. Watson, Jaden, Reed, uh, Romeo Dobbs, and Wicks. The four really, really twitchy, Watson's a burner. They're really clever athletes. All can play. New England hasn't drafted a legitimate receiver in over a decade. Green Bay's got four in two years. (laughs) They just do it well. Um, And it's what's interesting, if you look at the Packers' history, they don't, take a lot of players, offensive players in the first round. But yet they always end up with elite tackles, uh, very good running backs, excellent receivers, uh, better than average tight ends. It's a really offensive leading culture. Uh, Holmgren into McCarthy, into Matt Lafleur, They do offense well. Steelers do defense well. Packers do offense well. And this, of course, helps Jordan Love. Whereas Kenny Pickett is going to be kind of on his own. Jordan Love's got great aides to his left, to his right. He also, um, and we've discussed this, you know, ad nauseum. Aaron Rodgers was like, uh, uh, you know, a 50 year old, uh, lead singer and the band was a bunch of 20 year olds. He didn't fit all these young players as they were rebuilding the offense. This generationally works. Jordan Love and these guys, like they feel like, you know, they're going to be around for years and years together. And, you know, I just think if you, if you look around at the majority of the young quarterbacks who can struggle, it's often with defensive coaches. Look at what McVay did to Goff. Look at what Shanahan's doing to Purdy. Look at what Mike McDaniel did to resurrect Tua. Yet look what Belichick's done to Mac Jones. He gets worse every year. Now he's just a shot fighter. So I'm not saying Jordan Love doesn't have talent. But you've watched the development in the last six weeks. He's like a different player. He was always tall and moved well. He always had a good whip. That was never a question. You, you could watch his YouTube highlights as you did and I did at Utah State. He was always a big kid who moved well and had a whip. That was never the issues. A um, little bit erratic as a thrower he was tonight, too. But this is just confidence, uh, development. And you can tell a lot. Uh, years and years ago, I remember a story. They've got confidence with jordan love now in the building that's why tonight was really crucial and you saw it a little bit against the chargers a lot against the lions and really a lot tonight is that you got to get buy-in in in the building years ago um a long long time ago i I helped create a show at espn called uh uh, sports nation and it was offbeat and kind of quirky and we didn't know if it was going to work because it was so different than anything on the air but an executive said well if it If the people in the building like it, if you get buy-in in in the building, it doesn't matter what the ratings are. They'll support it. And I always thought, that's interesting. Get buy-in in in the building. It's a lot like that for a quarterback. Watch the Chicago Bears play calling with Justin Fields. He has no buy-in in in the building. The coordinator doesn't trust him. The coach doesn't trust him. 70% of the throws are behind the line of scrimmage. He's got no buy-in in the building. C.J. Stroud, complete buy-in. Jordan Love did not have it in the preseason and in September. We kept saying, it's they're they're babysitting him. They're coddling him. Let him throw it. It was just slow growth. Let's wait until we're comfortable. Let's let this thing develop. The Packers knew better. Now, when you watch it, they just let him go. I mean, it's got a backyard feel to it. Just let him go. And he's never going to be as precise as Aaron Rodgers. That's not who he is. He's got the far playmaking ability with sort of the whip of Aaron Rodgers, but he's not a precise thrower. He's not Joe Burrow. That's not what he is. Um, you know, he, he can get erratic. Uh, his mechanics are a little, you know, they are what they are. It, it looks a little backyard football, but he's playing with a ton of confidence. He has tremendous Young offensive uh, uh, personnel around him, and they're all getting better. Watson, Dobbs, Wicks, those guys are all going to get better. You don't have to pay any of them for three years. So that'll let you dip in and solve any issues you have anywhere else in the roster because right now Jordan loves not, doesn't have a punitive contract. So, you know, and the, the other thing that jumps out to me is that um, not only do the Packers draft and develop well, I mean, they, how many quarterbacks have succeeded there? You know, a lot. For the biggest, three of the biggest quarterbacks in league history, you know, are, are Packers. But the, the two more recent, obviously, are Favre and Rodgers. And, you know, it's, it's sometimes because they don't have an owner to call you on your, you know, crap. Uh, and because it's the smallest pro sports city in America where you can't even go to the grocery store, Uh, I always call it the Green Bay Packer quarterback syndrome, where like Favre and Aaron Rodgers are very different people, but it it kind of dissolved into the same threatening retirement, unhappy with front office. And, you know, when you think about it, um, that was perfect for Favre and Aaron Rodgers to start. It may have ended poorly, but you know green bay tends to be very supportive very much into development you, you don't have to worry about the press breathing down your throat i mean the cheeseheads lambo totally supportive thick and thin it really is a perfect environment for a young quarterback trying to find his footing. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print, or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at legalshield.com forward slash PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a
1: plan for complete terms.
0: This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh,
2: my. Look
0: at that. He is... And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Hi, let's talk about Pro Plan Sport. Pro Plan Sport is advanced nutrition made to fuel strength and stamina in active dogs like yours. So whether you're heading out to explore a new trail or looking to set a personal best on your daily run, start your journey off right with the high performance fuel your dog needs to keep pushing you every step of the way. Pro Plan Sport. Discover the power of advanced nutrition for strength and stamina at ProPlansport.com. That's ProPlansport.com. former NFL scout for the Philadelphia Eagles, John Middlecoff. As we get ready for close to an hour of breakdown of college football, um, some thoughts on various coaches in the league who are on the definite hot seat. But we start, John, with San Francisco and Philly. There were two games this weekend uh, that I loved. I loved the Niners and I love the Lions. So let's start with San Francisco and Philadelphia. I thought at least in the first half, it felt like your classic matchup of great teams, playmakers, speed, strength, coaching, um, kind of the class of the NFC. But I do wonder if that emotional game with a lot of snaps for the Eagles defense last week against Buffalo, and that was one of the reasons I like San Francisco. At this time of the year, John, every day counts for rest. So the Niners get several days rest. The Eagles play an especially long game against Buffalo. Defense is on the field, and I think they looked absolutely worn down in the second half defensively. That was my take.
2: Yeah, I thought early on, I mean, that place I've been to a lot of games there was rocking. And the quarterback was a little shaky. The Eagles came ready to play, which was shocking. I thought it'd be the other way around. The Niners had talked a lot. Like you said, they had been off since Thanksgiving. I thought by about midway through that second quarter, the Niners were really leaning on them you could tell that defensive line was gassed. The Eagles defense isn't very good. I mean their their linebackers are decimated with injuries. They're they're on like their third string nickel corner. They had to trade for a safety and the 49ers from Ayuk to obviously Debo, who has been running his mouth for nine months. And listen, I got no problem. In an individual sport, you're Conor McGregor, you're Tiger Woods, you're whatever, you run your mouth, only you have to back it up. Debo can back it up. I was nervous. Some other guys on the team, you know, the right tackle trying to block Reddick. It didn't matter. I mean, Debo dominated that game. Kittle was awesome. McCaffrey was flying around. They came ready to play. But most importantly, Colin, in solidarity with the quarterback, how about that MVP-type performance <laughs> from Brock Purdy? After starting the game 0-4, where it's just, he looks shaky. Yeah, 19 of 23 the rest of the game, and just throwing dots, keeping plays alive with his legs, keeping his eyes downfield. He's How about the run he had where he broke the tackle? I'm not saying the guy's the MVP, but if he's not in the discussion, we're all not watching football. He was brilliant today.
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, one of the things I've said, let's contextualize it. Shanahan's a brilliant, brilliant play caller and the weapons are insane. I mean, literally Kittle will be a Hall of Famer. Trent Williams, a Hall of Famer. McCaffrey should be a Hall of Famer. And if Debo stays healthy for four more years, people will talk about him as a Hall of Famer. That's just on the offense. But I do believe that there are just certain throws that CJ Stroud makes. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's a franchise quarterback that Kenny Pickett can't make. Right. And, and, and so there are throws. Purdy will make about three throws a game and he'll let go of that puppy before the receiver breaks. And you're like, oh, yeah, that's a that's a French. And, and for the record, I don't see Justin Fields make those. Nope. I don't see him as an anticipation thrower. So and it's not a knock. I don't see Zach Wilson make those. A lot of this stuff is innate. And, you know, years ago, Bill Parcells had a rule. No celebrity quarterbacks, which forget that now with NIL. They're going to be celebrities. But I want three years of starting. And I remember when I really noticed this, I covered Akili Smith in Oregon, and I loved the way he threw the ball. But he was like a one-year starter. And he went to the NFL, and he just did not have enough reps. He just did not have enough reps. He was overwhelmed. And it wasn't because he was a good kid. He could move. He had a hell of an arm. He had a baseball arm. But he just didn't have enough starts. And, you know, the NFL is impatient. By year two, like if you don't, they're not sitting around waiting for you Is everybody's going to lose their job. I think a lot of this with Purdy is he came in high school, college, he had like eight straight years
2: of snaps. He's just fun. He, he is just cognitively ready to play football. For sure. But I, but I also think he's really good. I mean, he was the Arizona high school player of the year, really good recruiting base. In his second year starting, he was the second team, all big 12 guy behind Jalen Hurts, For the next two years, he was a first teamer, and he's come in on this team, and he's clearly better than anything Jimmy brought to the table. And Jimmy was pretty good, not the version we've seen these last couple years. The other thing is, wouldn't you say probably the best average arm quarterback over the last probably couple decades was like Drew Brees? Yeah, you know, and and we and listen, you were right on Baker Mayfield. I personally thought he could become that. Clearly, he never sniffed that. I actually think this guy has a lot of those traits in the pocket, but he also has, unlike Drew. Now, Drew was much more accomplished as a passer coming out of college, but this guy clearly is comfortable to go into an environment like that. Dreary day, Philly, and I get they were running out of gas, and the Niners were favored for a reason, but that kid was dominant, you know, just in terms of accuracy. And what's the key if you're going to play with really good players? Put it on them because, like, well, they got a lot of yards after the catch. Well, he hits them in stride. The ball to McCaffrey down the middle, a couple balls to Debo, a couple balls to Kittle. And his athleticism, I think his 10-yard split is pretty much the same time as Christian McCaffrey. So he's not Lamar Jackson or Cam Newton down the field as a runner. But, you know, in those little bursts, he can keep plays alive a lot like Jalen, right? And that's an underestimated part of his game that has taken the Niners to a whole nother level. Now, once they pulled away, it was not a fair fight because the Eagles, right. like you said, ran out of gas. But I also think you see, like, even if the Eagles had gas, let's face it, the Niners are a little better, right? Fully healthy. Yeah. And the Eagles just, they're not getting healthy guys in the secondary. Like, Bradbury and Slay are their corners. And the way they use their number one wide receiver in Debo is not like an A.J. Brown. They don't just put them out there and say, cover them. Darius Slay would like that with a receiver. They're moving them all around. They're using them like a running back iuk's a very shifty in and out of cuts a lot like Devonte smith why nobody can cover him and then you got kittle who is just one of the most unique players in the league to go on top of mccaffrey so it's just a tough situation it's a tough matchup for philly
0: well and here's the other thing so we both kind of i think we both felt strongly just on the extra time that this was really san francisco's game for sure and you have these moments when dallas went to san francisco San Francisco's the kind of team, the Eagles know it and the Cowboys know it. If you don't have your shit dialed in, you're in big trouble. Yeah. <laughs> like it, They play downhill really fast. They're like Buffalo three years ago without the mistakes. You get all the avalanche, you know, without the yard sale of skis flying everywhere. They're, they're like a streamlined avalanche and you just can't and with all these weapons. But here's the one thing about Philadelphia I worry about is that Ferguson for the Cowboys now, Brandon Cooks are productive. C- CeeDee Lamb's a top four receiver in yes, the league. big time. Okay. And then you have Debo, Kittle. Brandon Ayuk's a special player. Awesome. Even Jennings contributes. The Philly secondary is not getting better. Awful. They made a move at the trade deadline. It's bad. It's old. It's not getting better. Even Detroit, if you watch them today, because Goff usually has time because of that offensive line, and they run the ball really well. Jamison Williams now becoming more of a threat. Yeah, There's an argument to be made with Philly. Their weakness is a real problem because we both like golf more than people. Now, ja- Amaron St. Brown. Laporta. and Williams. Laporta. He's an incredible <laughs> <Jesus>. rookie. <laughs> so all of a sudden,
2: you start looking at Philly and you're like, oh, they don't match up necessarily well with the top three teams in the NFC. Well, their key is They did not have to win today after they won the last two weeks. Now they're going to have to win this upcoming week against Dallas, right? And it's it's an enormous game. Their formula is going to be the D-line has to be elite. I mean, it has to be unstoppable. And it can be. Today they were clearly running on fumes. That's why... Let's face it, today through everything, I mean, McCarthy, I'm sure, feet up, eating a sandwich at home with a big smile on his face because he has the opportunity now at home. The Niners took care of business. The Niners now play Seattle. All of a sudden, if Dallas wins and the 49ers wins, the Eagles are kind of looking up. I'm with you. you got to be able to it, – it's not like Ambry Thomas and Lenore or Richard Sherman and Darrell Revis in the prime, but they're functional players. And the d- main difference between the Eagles and the Niners, because both of them have – countless D linemen that every team would want. It's the linebackers. I mean, Fred Warner is a dominant player. Greenlaw, who got in a fight with Dom on the sideline, is probably the best number two linebacker. But even when those guys, there was a moment when when Greenlaw got tossed and, and Fred's shoe came off. The Niners have two other backups who are solid. I mean, the Eagles linebackers are... Kyle Shanahan was... This is why Debo and those guys were talking so much shit all week. They don't think that all those guys have a chance to handle their speed, their physicality. And they don't. And, and once they took a deep breath and just kind of handled the crowd and, and just kind of the wetness and just everything that the link brings, it was a route. They, they, they just ran circles around them, and that's it for sure. Now, their D linemen, if they play at an elite level, can just cause so much havoc, and their offense has to be awesome. That's, Goddard's got to come yeah. back. You know, A.J. Brown had some big-time moments. Devontae, their, their offense is really special. And that's why they've won a lot of these games, right? Because it's essentially been shootouts in the second half. Harder to have shootouts with the 49ers, I I think, because their defense, they're just not really going to play in a 38 to 35 type game.
0: Yeah, the best one possession win teams over the last several years have been Philadelphia. It caught up with them today. Minnesota last year caught up with them. There was a Cowboy team and a Seahawk team over the last three or four years, and it caught up with them. You you, you just can't— Eventually, you can't get out gained like Philly had four straight games. It, eventually, this is it just doesn't work that way. And so, I, I kind of look at the Philadelphia and I like so. I mean, I think they'll play very well in a weird way. They were best served to get their butt kicked because they'll come against Dallas, For they'll sure. play a great yeah, game yeah, 100%. They'll, I, they'll They'll play a great game, but I do think there is a fundamental problem that they can only overcome with ball control offensively, which is their back. They're back four, back seven. Linebackers are weak. Corners aren't great. They have one good safety. The only way to overcome that is with ball control.
2: And that's it. And now they have the components to do that. I think they also got to be really careful. And in fairness, their players, I mean, Slays on the volume, high-level guy, Jalen, super high-level guy, their coach can be really, really yappy, right? And not in a Bill Parcells, like, check the pelts on my wall, yappy. It's like kind of annoying. And there's a level of, you know, listen, Kyle Shanahan's going to scream at the refs, but he's not going to give the other team. He, he's an old school kind of Andy Reid, his dad. Like it, it's not about, he doesn't want to get involved in the thing. And I do think their coaching staff, you got Sirianni screaming at people pregame. He just, I, I listen, that works against the majority of opponents. It's not going to work against the Chiefs. Maybe it works a little bit against Dallas, but it's not going to work against the 49ers. It's more just X's and O's. We're going to hit you in the mouth and we're going to be relentless. So all that stuff, you know, that kind of typically feeds into Philly. Like they, they loved when Dom got tossed and they feed off that. Stuff. <laughs> the Niners are, they have proven that this core of guys have won so many games on the road, went to Green Bay and won, went into Dallas and won. Like they, they're not going to be intimidated by difficult circles. They easily could have won a couple of years ago against the Rams, right? You know, when Tart dropped the ball. So they go into these environments a lot like some great like NBA players, like the Curry group over the years. Like they're not intimidated. They they, they might need a couple series to kind of gather themselves, but they're going to be okay. So the, the Eagles, this, it's going to be a scheme game versus them. Can you out scheme them? Because all yeah. the other shit, like the Niners, aren't going to be phased by that crap. Can you can you outthink them? Can you out call like Andy Reid? Can you out call plays against whatever their their looks are offensively or defensively? And you saw today it wasn't really a fair fight. Now. I, like you said, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. little gas. I think if you told me there was a rematch, I would expect a much better Philly effort. Yes. But I do think big picture, do they have, like, their head coach, he's not calling the plays on either side. He's just kind of screaming on the sideline. Like, the 49ers guy is their play caller. Like, it's him versus you. You know, so I... Yeah. That's a disadvantage for the Eagles. Um, You know,
0: here's the other thing is I... I'm trying to think of a roster. Hufunga's injury, um, although painful, they can protect it with a good pass rush. I don't think there's been a roster as good as San Francisco since the Seahawks roster that won a Super Bowl but went to two straight. That that roster just didn't make. That was such a good roster. Yeah. You're not really allowed to do that anymore. Again, Russell was on a rookie deal. Yeah, Purdy. The minute he wasn't, the roster wasn't good. Purdy's on a rookie deal. But I'm trying to think of a roster. I mean, thats I remember that Seattle team was so good that they went and just rented Percy Harvin, almost never used him as a toy. And then they went and got Cliff Averill, said, yeah, we'll bring another pass rusher. And you're like, yeah, that's a luxury of a rookie contract. You can't do that with a veteran quarterback. But I think this roster... You know, I I find myself rooting for San Francisco to win because it would be such a shame if this roster didn't at least want like that Seattle roster, John. It was too damn good not to win a Super Bowl. Yeah. It was just too good. That was just fundamentally too good. The Ravens roster with Dilfer. There's like seven Hall of Famers. I grew up with the Steelers in the 70s. There were a couple Raider teams. You're like, yeah, you the, the Cowboys Jimmy Johnson roster. They need to win a Super Bowl. There's too many good players. All right. Time for another edition of sharper square. Chad Millman, CCO action network. All odds provided by DraftKings. All right. Let's start sharp square. So let's go underdogs first. I'm prone to like underdogs. Saints are all beat up. You got a new coaching staff with the Panthers trying to impress the owner who's an impulsive, impatient man. Um, Saints have been an underachieving team all year. I'm going to take Bryce Young plus five against. The division rival, sharper
1: square. Totally sharp play. This one has been moving. Colin, this line opened at six and a half on Sunday. Wise guys immediately started betting it. By Monday morning, it's down to five, right? And look, nobody thinks the Saints are what the Saints were expected to be in the beginning of the year. Jameis Winston, he's eight and 19 against the spread as a favorite in his career. Dennis Allen, one of the most unprofitable coaches against the spread in his tenure of the past 20 years. They're 1-9 this year as a favorite. Meanwhile, the Panthers' defense has been improving. They got J.C. Hornback last week. He is a difference maker in the backfield, defensive backfield. And the Saints just haven't been very good. Like Everyone's talked about their defense. Defense is like 30th in EPA per play uh, in the past six weeks. So not a good spot for the Saints. And that's why the wise guys are playing them.
0: All right. um, Denver plus three. uh, Last week against a really, really well-coached defense, they got turnover prone. But the previous four to five weeks, they weren't. There are limitations to the offense, but they're not a turnover-heavy offense. They were last week on the road. The Chargers don't create turnovers. I thought their performance against New England was staggeringly bad. Uh, shockingly. It's as if the locker room quit, but the Patriots were so bad, they still couldn't beat them. I would take the Broncos in a rivalry game here, plus three, sharper square.
1: Yeah, definitely the sharp side. Nobody likes to bet the Chargers as favorites. Even last week, the wise guys were betting the Patriots and they got, you know, unfortunately it was basically a bad beat. It was a baseball score of six to nothing. And the line started at six and moved down a little bit. Um, Similar here. Like we're talking about, a division underdog last five years. They cover 57% of the spread 50% of the time when they are the road dog, uh, the Broncos last week aside, they had their moments. They had a shot to cover and win against the Texans, even playing, even playing terribly. So now they're getting a much better coach in a, in a smash spot for the wise guys. They're on the Broncos.
0: Seahawks plus ten and a half at the Niners. Philadelphia's um that win is impressive, as we've often talked about. After a great win, teams pull back. Seattle at six and six, and the Rams are coming hard, desperate. Um, you know, I'm I'm not a Geno Smith fan, but there's weapons here. This is a rivalry game. It's the season
1: for Seattle. I thought this was one of my favorite picks on the board, sharper square. Totally sharp. What's interesting here is this number it's kind of stabilized. On Sunday night, opened about 12, 12 and a half, 13. Immediately, that number got bet down. And you do have a lot of things here. Look, it is as high as as it gets on the Niners right now, right? Their four-game win streak, when Debo and Trent Williams are playing, they are 9-0. and They are beating teams by three touchdowns. When that duo is on the field, Brock Purdy looks invincible when those guys are playing and he has those weapons, here's the challenge they are coming off that Eagles win. That's why the number opened so high. That's why the wise guys immediately bet it down to ten and a half. and a half. Again, road dogs in the division the past five years, 57% against the spread. You're, you're playing with fire because we do have a lot of evidence how good the Niners have been, but as a professional better, you have to take the Seahawks in this spot The precedent will tell you long-term that is a value play.
0: Okay, um, so I've had this theory that if you don't have a quarterback on your roster that can duplicate to some degree Lamar Jackson and you're an NFC team, you're screwed going to Baltimore. Seattle got buried. Detroit got buried. Matt Stafford is going to get buried. The Rams have been doing it. They face some backup quarterbacks, some pretty lousy defenses, or they've been at home. Rough spot for an NFC traveling to a different time zone, early game. The I love the line at minus seven. Don't love it as much at minus seven and a half. But Baltimore's done this time and time again as a home favorite against West Coast teams. Ravens
1: minus seven and a half, sharper square. Well, at seven and a half, it's square. At seven, it's neutral. Um, there's no huge consensus here. The Rams are getting played at seven and a half. There's a couple things that are tempting the wise guys. Seven and a half is just a huge number, right? You can easily see the Rams are down by two touchdowns. Game is out of reach. They got two minutes left. You know, Sean McVay is not going to take his foot off the gas. Matthew Stafford in that spot can wing it, find his receivers. The Ravens are playing a little bit more lax and they cover the back door at seven and a half because, you know, you got the hook at seven, it's a little bit more. Cautious for the wise guys. There's one factor here: Lamar Jackson as a favorite of more than three is not very good. 21 and 31 against the spread. So, and Lamar Jackson is a favorite of more than three at home, not very good. John Harbaugh historically incredibly profitable, not very good as a favorite of more than three at home. So, this is not a great spot for the Ravens. However, they have been turning it around a little bit this year. That Colts game, I think, was an anomaly. We saw it with the Seahawks. We saw it with the Lions. But don't remember, don't forget, those games were under a touchdown. So you're playing with fire if you're going to take seven and a half. Um, One of my favorite lines of the
0: week. Now, the line's gotten a little out of hand, but Cleveland minus three and a half. So Christian Kirk surgery out, Trevor Lawrence out, C.J. Beathard against one of the best defenses in 10 years, and the Cleveland defense much better at home. If you watch the uh, the Browns-Rams game, Joe Flacco was good. Shockingly good. Offensive coaches taking backup quarterbacks this year. And I can give you six. It's worked quickly. Kevin O'Connell Dobbs worked quickly. I'm going to take the Browns to cover. I think it's a blowout. I think they blow out a Jags team.
1: C.J. Bethard is a borderline NFL guy, sharper square. Well, it's sharp. And that's why the number has moved so aggressively. Like, it moved... Obviously, when the Trevor Lawrence injury happened and you know, now knowing it's going to be CJ Bether. But don't forget, you've lost Christian Kirk. You've lost Cam Robinson. They've lost people on defense, which was already a bad secondary. Now you're going to have a massive amount of wind and rain in a game that is going to be very, very ugly. This defense for the Browns is different at home. 10 points per game at home, 30 points per game on the road. They are relatively Healthy. Forget about Joe Flacco for a second. You're just talking about the advantages that Cleveland has as a defensive unit playing against a a litany of backups for the Jags. So the wise guys have continued to play this, and they're still playing at a three and a half. Another damaging story comes
0: out about Sean McDermott. How one of his coaches got a truck paid for by players. It's just bad PR. End of last season to now with the Bills, Kansas City lost to a really red hot Jordan Love. I think the Packers now are playing really good. I think they were a bad PI miss by the officials from scoring a, a tying touchdown. So I think we're overplaying because it was a wildly popular game and highly viewed. We're overplaying the problems with the Chiefs. They are favored by only one and a half against the Bills, who I just think, going back to last year's playoff game, are a bit of a mess inside the walls of that organization i'll take kansas city to cover sharper square
1: well look the line has moved in the bills direction before this story that you're referring to came out and this this line opened at three immediately got that down to two and a half then two then one and a half some places one which to me is insane and I think it is a huge overreaction to the troubles that Kansas City has had, like you said, and also an overreaction to the Bills being competitive against the Eagles, losing a really bad game, having the week off and now needing to win this game to get to the playoffs. Haven't the Bills been desperate for like a month and it hasn't mattered, right? Like, <laughs> it, so, So why is this game going to be any different. And to your point about Patrick Mahomes, look, I bet the Packers plus six last week on Monday night, and there is nothing that feels worse than having the team that is playing against Patrick Mahomes when Patrick Mahomes has the ball at the end of the game. And look, he made a bad pass. He got beat on that interception, but you're right. One PI away from probably getting to the end zone and making that a 27-27 game I don't want to bet against Patrick Mahomes as less than a field goal favorite in November and December when he's at home. So if you're telling me I got to get Patrick Mahomes and he's just got to win by one point, come on, of course we're taking the Chiefs.
0: All right, it's time to talk me into this one. Um, Eagles plus three and a half, despite the fact they will have played the Cowboys and the Bills and the Niners and the Cowboys again, and all these tough teams, Kansas City mixed in. There is a fatigue, right? But I do think it's being overvalued. This is a good team that had won 24 of 26, cold, leading, trailing, warm, windy. They win three and a half divisional game. Cowboys may win, but the hook I'd take, why
1: isn't everybody seeing this as an obvious Eagles play? Part of it is scheme. The Eagles have been exposed in the middle of their defense. They just can't cover. And we saw that with the 49ers. They just destroyed the Eagles with a scheme that can be very similar to what the Cowboys are trying to do, right? Mike McCarthy all year talking about playing a style of West Coast offense that he had done with the Packers. And you know they're changing it up a little bit. But if you look at what Dak is doing this year, he and CeeDee Lamb are making connections and that ability to drive the slant route and connect on that is going to be really challenging for the Eagles, especially in the middle of the defense for them. So I think that's one reason. Also, the Eagles have not been running the ball. Lane Johnson injured. I think that's a huge tell for the wise guys. But the truth is, Colin, you look at every metric, look at number of bets, you look at amount of money, It's pretty split 50-50, which is why this thing has basically stayed where it is. There was the initial push, opened at two and a half. Wise guys took the two. They took the three. And now it's a three and a half. It hasn't gone up to four because everything is basically stabilized. So I think this is where it's going to be for a little while. No consensus. I'm on the Cowboys for what it's worth. All right. Finally, dumpster diving. What's the game I missed? Well, look, we got two options here. One, I can't believe you didn't bring up the Bears getting three and a half. At uh, no, home. that's uh, that's an interesting one. So like, talk about that. To me, this is a no-brainer. And the Bears opened at five. Wise guys bet it down immediately. It settled at three and a half within about 24, 48 hours. Number one, the Bears defense has been playing really, really well the past seven weeks compared to the Lions defense, which has been getting shredded. And they're missing McNeil in the middle of their defensive line. That is a huge impact that people who know football are talking a lot about. So now you're getting a team on the road playing in Chicago where weather is going to be a factor. Jared Boff in his career averaging less than 14 points per game when the weather is under 50 degrees against a team in Justin Field. A lot of RPO. We've seen what they've been doing when he is on the field since his injury. A lot more running. They kept this game close against the Lions two weeks ago. They beat the Vikings last week. This Bears team doesn't get credit for how much more it's improved since the bye week. So the wise guys are on the Bears. One more. Well, you mentioned backup quarterbacks. And you talked about sort of they're getting these opportunities to shine quickly. Jake Browning did not play well in his first game against the Steelers, but he played very well in his second game against the Jags. Very accurate. Look at what this Colts team has done. Who have they beaten up? The Panthers, the Patriots, very lucky against the Titans last week to get a win and continue this winning streak. So, Is this a Jake Browning spot? The wise guys think so. The wise guys have been betting this game down. The Bengals opened about two, two and a half. It's now down to one. Um, I think if you can get the Bengals as an underdog, you still take it.
0: Chad Millman, all odds provided by DraftKings, CCO Action Network. Enjoy NBA in-season tournament. You bet, brother.